0: Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following message is from our lead pastor, Jared Brooks. We're going to continue our series. We're in week number three on the Exchange Excinema Cinema, and not ExCinema. Cinema. The Exchange Cinema Presents, okay? So we've been going through this. A few years ago, we started this. As we launched the church, we started with this series. And we've preached on, I was looking back through some of my notes. we preached on Iron Man. Uh, I've preached on Shrek. Uh, I've preached on um, uh, Hancock. And quite a few different movies. So we started this, this series again this year. The first week I preached on Spider-Man, the revenge, talking about forgiveness. Last week, Pastor Kevin preached on, uh, the three musketeers and I mean the three amigos, same difference. There's basically the three amigos and, and God needing you and choosing to need you. And so this week I'm going to take you back to 1989. How many of you were born in 1989? Like, you, you were alive in 1989. Okay. How many of you were not alive in 1989? <laughs> oh, man. You know what's funny is we were playing golf this week, and a song came on. And, and in this song, he mentions the year of the, that he's writing this music. He says something about, you know, and it's 19-whatever. And I looked at Kevin, and I said, do you realize... That song is almost 40 years old. It's almost 40 years. And we still listen to that song as if it's cool. Because to us, it's totally relevant. But you go back to when I was in high school or junior high, and my parents listened to music that was 40 years old. That was the weirdest, lamest, right? And now I'm that guy. I'm that guy that's listening to music that's 40 years old, and I still think it's so cool. I don't know where that went, but, but uh, this morning, immediately following service, we're going to have a brief meeting, and we're going to talk about uh, where we are as a church, and, and, and I get texts almost daily um, asking what's happening with our building and, and our plans, so I'm going to fill you in on that right after church. We're going to make it quick. But in praying about the church and in praying about the building and, and asking God where we're going and what we're doing, the Holy Spirit has just stirred me up. I mean, stirred me up. He, he spoke a word to me about a month ago and he said, you're about to enter into a new season. And I don't know if I've shared this with everybody, I've shared it with our, our leaders, I know, but he said, you're about to enter in, into a new season, a great season, a season that's so great you haven't even dreamed of this season so I know that we're about to enter that season I don't know what it looks like and I don't know where it is and how it sounds and and how much it costs I just know there's a season that God's about to take us into that's going to be so great and so my spirit is stirred up about that and so I've been praying God where do you want us to be where do you want us to go what do you want us to do and he's reminded me first things first remember why we why you planted this church God wants me to remind you why we planted this church. Okay, I'm going to say that again. God wants me to remind you why we planted this church. I'm going to say it one more time. God wants me to remind you why you planted this church. Okay, you planted this church. And God wants to bring back to that and understand why you're called here why you're here for such a time as this maybe you stumbled in after the fact maybe you stumbled in in the middle maybe you were here at the beginning either way we're all here in this room right now and there's a very specific reason that you keep being drawn for some reason to this place and and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning but it's mostly because you are the exchange You're the reason that this church exists. Everybody say, I am the exchange. I am the exchange. Stand with me this morning. We're going to read out of Matthew chapter 16. (coughs) Starting with verse number 13. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say The son of man is. And they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. But still others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he is the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God, forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. Father, we we come to you this morning. We, we thank you, first of all, in advance for what you're about to do. We thank you also for what you've already done just in this time of worship. And, and as we focused our, our thoughts and our attentions to you, I believe that there are so many miracles that already begin to take place, God, that there are healings that are beginning to take place, that there are our breakthrough is just beginning to take place already, just being in your presence because that's who you are, Jesus. So I pray for the remainder of this message, God, and this time together, Lord, that this sermon will be a revelation to our hearts and to our minds, God, and that you will uh, stir up an, an anticipation for who you are and what you're about to do through us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. We're gonna turn our focus and we're gonna we're gonna look at three things related to this text this morning. First of all, Christ's triumphant commitment to build his church. We'll go over this. Second is Christ's unwavering commitment to gather his people from all over, not just Westerners or red, white, blue, black, whatever. But I'm talking about people from all over, every shade, every language, every tribe. And number three, Christ's radical way of winning the nations, namely by the death of himself and the death of his people. So we're going to talk about those things this morning. So number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. I encourage you, if you can, take it and put it on your phone. I was talking to someone this week uh, about he said that he confronted his pastor and he told his pastor, he said, you need to talk to the church about bringing their Bibles church he said I got an issue with that and if people don't bring their bible church they ain't right (laughs) and I told this guy I said well actually times have changed we have our bibles right here a lot of people do I have 147 versions of the bible right here and I have access and he said but brother you don't have a notepad like this and he has his notepad and I said actually I do and I showed him my notes of all these sermons and he goes how'd you do that (laughs) And I said, here, I can actually share it with you, and I can text you all my notes. You can't text me your notes. Show me how to do that, brother. <laughs> so it's possible. You may not know that that's a, a possibility now, but just hand your phone to your son or your daughter and ask them to take notes for you, and, and uh, you can have notes for this, this message. Because I guarantee you, they know how to do it. So number one, Christ's triumphant commitment to build his church, okay? Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse 15, Jesus is asking his disciples, he says, who do they say that I am? They gave him a lot of answers, you're this, you're that, you're that. He he looks at Peter and he says, but who do you say that I am? Peter replies and he says, you are the Christ, okay? He's saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter, Jesus goes on. He says, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven, has given you a revelation of who I am. I also say to you, Peter. Okay, I also say to you that upon this rock, upon this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not over." Power it, okay? In other words, on you, my authoritative apostle and my inspired proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will build my church on this revelation that you have. I will build my church on this apostolic word that is coming forth out of your mouth, the revelation of who I am. I will build my church on this revelation and the gates of Hades cannot stop it. Kay? he's not saying peter i'm going to build my church on you because you're the man okay he's saying i 'm going to build my church on the revelation of the fact that you know who I am. Come on, somebody. Jesus is saying, I will build my church on the fact that you recognize who I am okay has nothing to do with you, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Amen <laughs> It has nothing to do with Pastor Jared. Amen? It has nothing to do with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Eddie and all these great people in our church. It has everything to do with our revelation of who Jesus Christ is. I want to drive home here that it's the triumphant authority of his promise. Okay? Reaching the world is not ultimately upon human initiative or human wisdom or human perseverance it is ultimately dependent upon the power wisdom and the faithfulness of the risen and living king to keep this promise when he said I will build my church so the life of the church the life expectancy of the church is really ultimately dependent upon him to keep his promise amen he, he made a promise to us, but now he's going to use us in this. And, and this is where we'll tie it in with what Pastor Kevin was talking about last week. Is He's going to build this church, but he still needs you. okay? He needs you to do it because he wants to do it through us. He says, I will build my church. Not you will build my church, or not missionaries will build my church, or not a bunch of pastors are going to build my church. But Jesus is saying, I will build my church. So Paul is jealous, he's very careful to make sure he gives Jesus all the glory. And in Romans fifteen eighteen, 18, uh, he says, I will not presume to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Okay? Resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. Paul's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm gonna be very careful that I give God all the glory of everything that happens comes through me. God is in control. God wants to move. I use the word control. God is taking advantage of using you because he chose to need you, right? And so God is using us to build his church even though he said, I'm gonna build my church. So Paul's saying, I with with what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience, resulting in lives being saved, lives being changed, people coming into the kingdom of God. Christ accomplished it. Christ brought about obedience of the peoples. Missionaries are crucial. Pastors are crucial. Elders are crucial. But we're not the ultimate. Jesus Christ is the ultimate. That's where everything hinges. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, It says that uh, that some plant and some water, but it says Christ gives the increase. Christ gives the growth. It's not men, it's not people. We do our jobs. We plant seeds and we water those seeds. We try to grow, but Christ ultimately brings the increase and the growth. Christ builds church. Church planning and church establishing is not supernatural. If it is, then the, it's not a church that gets built. It's just this organization. And we've got plenty of organizations around here, amen? I mean, you can go join all kinds of clubs and groups all over town. And if that's what we're trying to do, then fine. Let's all do it. Let's put our talents together and let's just build this thing. But I don't want anything built on men because one day, I guarantee it's just going to fall apart. But when it's built on a revelation of who he is, the gates of Hades cannot hold it back. So this was the point that Matthew was trying to say when he ended his gospel in Matthew chapter 28. He's, Jesus is talking and he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations. He's saying I have authority to do it. Over all the powers of darkness. Over all of death. Over all of hell. Over all the governments. Over all the terrorists. I have authority. And I will do it. I will build my church. And then he says so go. So go. And I'm going to go with you. That's what he says. I'm going to do this. And then he tells us to go and do it. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that crazy This he says, I have all this power. I have all this authority over everything. Now go and do it. Go and make disciples. Matthew 24, 14 says, The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Everybody say "All all nations. So the Christ who rules heaven and earth said, I will build my church. I will build my church. Watch this. What was that? What was that? That voice just now, what was it? Okay, hey, you must have heard that!
1: Sorry! Hey, come on in to dinner!
0: Let's go, What a classic. What a classic movie. How many of you have seen this movie? Oh, man, we should have had a new movie night first. This is a classic movie about this family who, who sells everything. They move into this farmhouse in Iowa, and he becomes a farmer. Ray becomes a farmer, uh, played by Kevin Costner, and uh, he's, he's got all this corn, and me being a baseball guy growing up as a, as a baseball kid, this movie was like it for me. <laughs> and he hears this voice, if you build it, he will come. I Man, I could preach this message all day long, and, and he keeps hearing this voice, and and the story of the movie goes is, is that there was a group of players uh, back early, early... Uh, I don't even remember the years, but his is 20s. Tw- yeah, 20s. Thank you, school teachers. Um, he's, <laughs> they, they get caught cheating. They get caught throwing a game, okay? So they throw a game, and they get kicked out of baseball. And uh, one of the guys, his name is Shoeless Joe, Okay. Shoeless Joe Jackson and Shoeless Joe Jackson, he gets kicked out and Kevin Costner, he, he goes through and he's teaching his daughter about baseball and, and he's like Shoeless Joe Jackson, he got kicked out and banned from baseball and it makes no sense because during that series where he threw the game, he had a 300 three, batting average which is ridiculous. He had zero errors and yet he gets kicked out too for throwing this game. He's like, it's unfair. And what starts happening is he's to build this field so that they can, these players, they're dead and gone, but so that they can come back and play the game. And I know those of you who haven't seen this movie now, you're just like, whoa, dude, you're so weird. I've lost you. But, but you got to go and watch this movie. I, was, I went home and I Netflixed it and Jenica walked in and, and I said, go to your room and watch this movie. It's just such a classic But he says, if you build it, he will come. And he keeps saying that, if you build it, he will come. And he goes into the house, and he tells his wife, he's like, I heard this voice. And she's like, what did you hear? And he said, this voice, it says, if you build it, he will come. And she goes, if you build what? Who will come? I don't know. That's just what the voice said. And she's like, did you ever do acid? (laughs) are you crazy he's like I don't know I don't know why I heard this voice it just keeps saying it and then it happens again that night he lays down at, and and he goes to sleep and he's laying there with his eyes closed and he hears the voice again he wakes up and he goes to the window and he says if I build what who's gonna come and she says Ray who are you talking to and he says I'm just talking to the corn and so this voice starts tormenting and through this movie he goes on this journey spoiler alert if you haven't seen it it was 1989 So I hope I don't ruin it for you. But he goes on this journey and the pieces start to kind of fall into place to what he's supposed to do. He's guided. Oh, there's a whole message in in this. But he is guided by just following this voice that he feels that's leading him. Just from one, one cool story to the next cool story to the next cool story from victory to victory, faith to faith. He just keeps going following this voice. Take a step of faith. Do something that seems crazy, okay? If you build it, he will come. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Do you want to pursue something absolutely certain? Or do you want to step out and and give yourself something invincible, something that's crazy? Do you want to live life unhindered? Do you want to live life unhindered? Akeludos, at the very end of Acts, when, when Paul says, I'm sitting here, I'm a prisoner, and I'm chained up, and I'm bound up, but I continue to welcome people in, and I'm preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of Jesus Christ because I am unhindered. I'm unstoppable because I've attached myself to something that is unstoppable. And that's the kingdom of God. Amen. Nothing done for Christ is ever done in vain. So, give yourself a cause for Christ. That's part of the reason that you are the exchange. Point number two, Christ's unwavering commitment to gather his church from all nations. My second point is is really to let you know that it has nothing to do with, with Westerners, white, black, red, yellow, blue, green, whatever, But all peoples of every shade, every language, and every tribe. This is made plain in Matthew 28, 19 when it says, Go therefore make disciples of what? Of what? All. All nations. It's made plain in Matthew 24, 14 where it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to what? all nations. It's made plain in Romans fifteen eleven, where Paul is quoting Psalms one uh, seventeen 1. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and all the peoples. Praise him. It's made plain in Revelation 5, 9, when he says, you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, every tongue, and people and nation. It's made plain that God is trying to build his church with all peoples. All shapes, all sizes, all backgrounds come from a, a, a family of believers, a family of non-believers. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Here you are. And I have a special burden this morning to tell you that Christ has a commitment to gather his church from, from, with people around the world. But it starts with you. Okay? Everybody say, it starts with me. Okay? So that means it starts in your house. In your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your surrounding, your world. Your world is different than my world. You know that, right? Our worlds overlap a little bit, and church has something to do with that. But you have different friends outside of this building than I have probably. You, you probably have different workers that you see that I probably will never see. You go to school with people that I'll never be able to go to school with. So your world is different than my world. So he's telling us he wants to build his church with all peoples of all nations. And it starts, first of all, with you. And it starts with our world. And then it goes to all peoples of all nations. That includes people that we feel threatened by. Right? Right? I mean, people that we necessarily don't like or don't agree with. All kinds of people. That, that also includes Muslims. What? Right? That, that we're supposed to spread the gospel. We're supposed to reach out and spread the love of Jesus Christ to all people. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was gonna show a video. I'm not gonna show it today for lack of time, but I, I'm gonna ask TJ and them to attach it to our public and our private Facebook pages, just so you could see it, it's pretty informative, and it talks about the Muslims' plan to evangelize the world. And they have a plan, and they will take over France uh, by their, the plan is by the year 2030, I think, to take over France, to become a, a Muslim nation, to take over Europe, uh, to take over Canada, um, and, and it's a, a really powerful video that shows the game plan of what's going on and what's happening and let me tell you something the Muslims have a plan to evangelize the nation with something that's not the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ I don't know why we don't have a better plan and yes we have great missionaries and there are people all over that are that are martyrs they are sacrificing their life I'm not saying that but I'm telling you that the Muslims have an agenda that all the people in the Muslim community believe in and they're all pressing to make sure that their agenda is felt let me tell you something. We have the presence and the power of a living God. A living God. He died and He rose again from the grave. A living God. Our agenda should be met much greater than theirs. We should have much more of an urgency to make sure that people understand the gospel of Jesus Christ because in Him it is freedom. It is freedom. And so we should have an agenda. The issue in the Muslim world today, as in every other religion and every other era, is really who Jesus is. Okay? We treasure him. We honor him for who he is. But the question goes back to the Muslims giving the same answers that the Jews, some of the Jews were giving in Matthew 16, 14 that we read earlier. Because Jesus is asking them, who do they say that I am? Their reply was, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say... You're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. And then they said, and others say you're one of the prophets. Did you know that that's what the Muslims say? We believe in Jesus. Of course we believe in Jesus Christ. He's a prophet. Okay? They gave the same wrong answer that some of the Jews were given. Let me tell you something. They didn't say he's a prophet. He is the redeemer of humanity. No, they don't believe that. Jesus Christ is the redeemer of humanity. For Islam, he's just one of the prophets. He's not the son of God. He's not the crucified and risen redeemer of fallen man. He's not the creator of the universe. Every knee will not bow and every tongue will not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He's just a prophet. That's not true. That is dishonoring to Jesus Christ. Jesus is more than a prophet. He is the redeemer of mankind. He bought us. He purchased us. He paid a price that he didn't have to pay so that you could have life. He died and he rose again in three days. I believe that with all my heart. Every fabric of who I am. I believe that. So to say that he's just another man, uh uh-uh. Shame on you. 1 Timothy two, five says one mediator also between God and men the man Christ Jesus. Okay? There's one one mediator that stands between us and the heavenly Father and that's the man Christ Jesus. John 14:16 says there's one way, one truth, one life, Jesus Christ, and no one comes to the Father but by him. 1 John 5:12 says he who has the, has the son has life, and he who does not does not have life. <laughs> this is why missionaries are absolutely necessary. This is why reaching beyond these four walls is absolutely necessary. He who believes in the son has eternal life. He does not, who does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Then in Romans 10, it says, how will they believe in him? Whom they have not heard. And how will they hear it without a preacher? Christ is going to build his church. And he's going to do it through the hearing of the gospel of Christ. He's going to do it through the word carried about through ambassadors. Amen. Hello ambassadors. He's talking about you. Okay. That's how the word is going to be spread. We, give all, we get in all kinds of debates over dumb stuff. Right. How many of you have an Apple iPhone? Come on, iPhone people, raise your hand. Loud and proud. How many of you are Android people? And that iPhone stuff is for the birds, right? Why is app, which one's actually better though, honestly? Come on, honestly, which one is? I mean, by far, the the, cat's meow. Which one is it? Okay, we stand here all day and we get in serious debate. And we get into these conversations, okay, over the water cooler at work. We'll get in these conversations, Apple or Android. I was talking to a guy this week. Yeah, Blackberry, whatever. <laughs> a Flip Razor phone. <laughs> One of those Sprint box phones you used to put your shoes in a shoe box and hold it to your ear. Uh, yeah, we, when I was a teenager, I can't tell you how excited I was when my parents came home with a bagged phone and you stick it in your car and it's a bag and you take this giant antenna to like talk to aliens and you stick it on your car like like it it is not coming off. Jesus cannot get it off. It's crazy. And and still we had to drive up to the top of a hill to get service where I lived. Um I don't know how y'all got me on that but the point is is we'll stand and we'll debate uh, apple or Android whatever all day long and we talk about that and but when it comes to Jesus Christ we get all shy and a lot of the reasons that we get shy and I know this from just speaking to people year after year after year is we don't feel like we have enough knowledge to debate, so we start talking about it, and they say one thing that we go, and then we just shut down, because we feel like we're going to lose the battle, so it's better to just shut up and stay silent, let me tell you something, the Bible says they overcame by the blood of the lamb, and by the word of your testimony. Let me tell, let me tell you something. You, you can always say, you know what, I, don't, I, I can't show you right now in the Bible. I can't tell you exactly where it is. I'm going to go and I'm going to find out the answer. But I can tell you on a first-hand account what has happened to me, okay? When somebody stands up at a trial to give a testimony on behalf of a defendant or a plaintiff, what are they doing? They are giving their account of what has happened. Let me tell you something, nobody can take away your testimony, okay? You can debate your testimony until you're blue in the face, and people will be overcome. They will Chains will fall off and break off of people by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. So don't be afraid to back down and, and, and get into this debate. When they start throwing things at you and you're not exactly sure, say, you know what? I don't know, but let me tell you firsthand on what he's done in my life, because they can't debate that. Number three, Christ's radical way of winning the nations. It's going to be by the death of himself and the death of his people. The gates of Hades will not prevail. There is an unlocked door that Jesus made for us. And the gates of hell cannot prevail it. Look at this. It says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower. And this is the second part of verse 18. Now, the gates of Hades is the gates of death. Now, in the Jewish thought, in the Jewish culture, that's what they believed, okay? The gates of Hades is a place of death. The gates of Hades make death look overpowerful. It makes death look secure and it makes death look invincible. And so, if what, as if what's dead is dead forever and it's done. Okay, and this is what they believe. And that's what it's talking about when it says, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus says, listen, I'm telling you something. How am I going to do it? I, and he makes it plain after verse 21. Jesus, the son of God says, all authority has been given unto me. And he goes, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem suffer many things for the elders from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and he's to be killed and he's to be raised up on the third day that's how he's going to do it that's how he opens up the gates he gets into Hades by dying and he gets out by resurrection okay the keys were inside and is locked from the inside he goes in by dying and he comes out by resurrection and when he comes out he says I win I won Revelation 1 says I die and behold I'm alive and then he says I have the keys of death and Hades that's why he went there that's why he allowed himself to go there and let me tell you something from from that point on what Jesus is saying what you consider to be impossible what you consider to be locked up what you consider to be final and gone forever I'm telling you it's not and my will is that none should perish but have everlasting life and so he goes in and he comes out with the keys and nothing ever again has to be final locked up there and it is an offer to all those who believe on him so how do we figure in jesus tells his disciples in verse 24 this is that the uh the next verses after our opening passage jesus said to his disciples if anyone wishes to come after me he must first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the exchange. That's who we are. When people ask me all the time. I sat in the office of our insurance agent uh, this week, and <coughs> we were talking about um, the difference between our church and Catholicism and... and uh, He said, well, where does the name exchange come from? And I said, well, I'm glad you asked. And I began to unfold this. The exchange came from that verse almost exactly. My life for his. The great exchange in our name comes from this powerful verse. When we put our focus on him, it's not my plans, God. It's your plans. So if I want to save my life, then I need to lose it. If I lose my life for your sake, then I save it. It's the exchange, God. What, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? At the end of, of Field of Dreams, what happens is Ray and his wife, they get into this, they're in a lot of financial trouble. There's one scene in the movie where she's on the bed or at the desk and she's doing calculations of all the bills because they're just in, excuse me, bad shape. And he says, well, and she said, well, if we didn't have the baseball field, if we hadn't toured the, the corn down for the baseball field, we would have just enough to make it. So now it's crunch time. Now it's, you know what, this voice told me to do this. This voice inside of me told me that this was what I was supposed to do. And I did it. And I stepped out in faith and I did it. And I I questioned it, but I followed every leading through this movie. He follows it. As I'm watching this movie, I'm just bawling. Because I'm just thinking, I'm putting myself in this place and I'm thinking, that's me. I've just, I listened to this voice that told me to do it said it's time just do it and I did and then Ray gets to this place where it's crunch time there's no money he doesn't know what to do he's just getting hounded and they're outside and they're sitting on the bleachers now at this point these baseball players have have come into the picture and they're playing baseball every day and they're practicing Ray and his family his immediate family can see him (laughs) the guy who plays James Earl or that James Earl Jones plays in this movie He's able to see these baseball players, but James's, or Ray's brother-in-law can't see him. And he's there in the scene, and he's telling Ray, he's like, okay, Ray, the bank is foreclosing tomorrow on this property. If you will sign these papers, we can take it all away, and we can fix this. You gotta sell. Sell right now. You can still live in the house, and, but we'll take over all the land. You gotta sell. You gotta sell. And Ray... He's going through this moment where he starts questioning, questioning that voice. And he starts questioning this path, this journey that he's been on, following this voice, and people saying, You've lost your mind. You're insane. And he's hearing his brother-in-law going, sell, raise, sell, raise, sell. And all of a sudden, his daughter, she says, People will come, Daddy. And he stops and he looks at her and he says, what would you just say? She said, people will come. And he stands up and he goes and he says, what would you say? And she says, people will come, daddy. They'll come from all over. They won't even know why. They'll just be drawn here. This voice starts whispering to me as I'm watching this movie, just reminding me that I was not led by man, that we weren't built on man that this voice inside of us kept saying if you build it he will come and so we built it and then it doesn't seem to make sense because it's not working in my time my time doesn't look like this and so you start asking all these questions and then there's all these pressures there's financial pressures all these things outside that are just messing with you and then this voice comes in From an innocent child, she says, people will come. People will come, Daddy. And he snaps back to this moment where he understands that his purpose doesn't have to make sense to anybody. That it doesn't have to make, and this movie's about baseball. It's talking about baseball, but all of a sudden this revelation starts to go from his daughter into he and his wife. That we're in the right place at the right time. James Earl Jones' character is sitting on the bottom of this stand. And he has the same revelation. All right, all right, all right. right. This is fascinating. It is. But the fact remains is that you don't have the money to bring the mortgage up to date. So you're still going to have to sell. I'm sorry, Ray. We got no choice.
1: Ray. People will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it where as money they have, and peace they like. Ray, just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers, and sit in the shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines, where they sat when they were children, and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game, it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick that will have to brush them away from their faces. Ray, when the bank opens in the morning, they'll foreclose. People will come, Ray. You're broke, Ray.
0: You sell now or you lose everything.
1: The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. will most definitely come. Ray,
0: you will lose everything. You will be evicted. such a powerful, powerful scene, the end of this movie. And as I'm watching this movie, you know, I'm just, I'm just praying, God, just speak, keep speaking to me. Keep speaking to me. And I was reminded of that childlike faith, that trust in Jesus Christ. She, this innocent girl sitting there, and, and she's, she starts this whole conversation that people will come. People will come. He says that I'm going to build this church. That's what Jesus says. I will build this church. His church is to be built on our revelation of who he is. One of the things James Earl Jones says is. They're going to come and not have any any re- reason. They're just going to be drawn to this place. He says money they have. Peace they lack. Whew. Peace they lack. And I'm reminded that that. We heard a voice. We heard a voice and, and God echoed this voice throughout our people. And, and we began to build a church. And we're at this place now where, where God's saying, you, let me tell you something. You just trust your, put your trust in me. I will build this church. I will build it. If you put your faith in me, I will build it. People will come because they're lacking peace. There's not a bar in town that can give them the peace that I can give them. Wow. There's not a relationship in town that can give them the peace like I can give them. There's not an affair in town that can give them peace like I can give them. People start to walk in and they'll have no idea why. I remember we hadn't been in this building very long when I got an email from a, a lady who's been coming to our church. And she said, She actually had never been to our church at the time. She says, I don't know why, but every time I drive by, there's something that just draws me. And I wrote her back and, and kind of explained, answered some of her questions. And she started coming to our church. And I'm reminded that it's not this cool pastor who draws people. I tell myself in the mirror in the mornings it is. But I know that that's not true. It's not our killer band that draws people. Now, people might be attracted and like some of that stuff, but it's the Spirit of God who draws people. And if we build this church on the revelation that we understand who he is, then the the gates of Hades cannot stop us. It's when we die to ourselves, we really live for Christ. <coughs> Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I was praying a few weeks ago about the building and the situation and asking God, what i need to do next what i need to do next and he said you just keep getting down on your knees you just keep talking to me okay have you ever tried to talk to your son or your daughter when they're little you're trying to teach them in a in a moment you know they did something and you're trying to teach them a lesson my kids are real bad at this I have to do this I have to go no look at me and they're like I know and I'm like no stop look at me and I continue to try to pull them in God was doing that to me a couple weeks ago I was like but God how are we I know God but what are we I know God but what are we going to say and I just felt like he kept grabbing my my face and saying look at me focus I'm going to teach you a lesson here. That when you put your focus on me, your trust in me, I'm in charge. I need you, and I'm going to use you because I'm sending you to go. But I'm telling you, I'm going with you. I'm going with you, and I am actually going to build it. I just need you to to lay some groundwork for me. I just need you to be obedient to my plan. And as you do that, I'm going to build it. I'm going to build the church. And then he makes this crazy, crazy promise. He says, on this revelation, on your revelation, and I'm pointing my fingers at you this morning, okay? On your revelation of who I am I will build a church and the gates of Hades cannot overpower it, because I will die I will raise from the dead and I will bring back with me the keys of death which seems final I will bring back those things that seem done that that seem stoppable and I will put an end to that all based on your apostolic word of who I am so Jesus is this morning grabbing all of us by the cheeks and by the chin and saying whoa, 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 right here if you build it, I will come I could have preached this whole movie over and over, there's another scene in the movie where he hears the voice say, go the distance so I I had five more points, go the distance, I had to cut this down because he's trying to say, look I've got a plan. I just need your focus on me. Amen. So I said that, and it sounds like I'm I'm talking just as a church in general, but there's somebody here this morning that's hearing this, and you know I'm talking directly to you, not about the church in general, but about a situation in your life where You've just kind of waited, 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 and you haven't stepped out like you you feel urged to. You've heard this voice, and you're not doing anything about it. You've still got this big cornfield because that's safe. That's security. That makes sense. And and this voice, the Holy Spirit inside of you is saying, Look, I need you to start chopping this down and clearing a space for what I'm trying to do inside of you. doesn't make any sense but there's this voice telling you do it do it so I I just ask I challenge you this morning to to examine that in your life and go God what is it what is it that you're trying to do exactly I'm going to pray over you if you'll close your eyes for a moment Holy Spirit we're We're in such a beautiful, beautiful season as a church. God, and I I repent to you for all the times that I've just questioned and doubted and questioned myself, God, and I'm so thankful to have a father who loves me enough to correct me, who loves me enough to discipline me, and who loves me enough to grab me by the face and And get my focus and my attention and my eyes locked back on you. God, we love you. God, I pray for the individuals this morning. who are in the same place who who they're in at a, at a crossroads and they just don't understand what, what step is next what to do and they've heard the, the voice they've heard your calling on their life and they're just not sure how and, and they're f- afraid to take that first step God I pray that your strength right now just begin to empower them. I pray that that not just they, but people around them will get a revelation of what you've said to them and that they'll begin to speak life into them. God, we fix our eyes on you. We set our eyes on you, Jesus. Amen. You know, I was thinking just now as as I begin to pray I was reminded of, have you ever seen like a horror movie or or not a horror movie, but just a a movie where there's a lot of trauma and there's a kid and, and maybe something really graphic is happening and the parent grabs the kid and goes, look at me, look at me. And somebody's getting murdered or something beside them. And they're like, don't look, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm just reminded that, that sometimes there's a lot of bad stuff going on around us. And if, if we'll just focus our eyes on Him, then everything around us is irrelevant. It all goes away. It's not that it's not happening. It's that our focus no longer is that, but our focus is in the right place. And so I challenge you. I challenge you this morning to make sure your focus is in the right place, that your focus is, is on him, that your eyes are on him, and that nothing distracts you from that. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much, God. Thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in our life, God. I pray that you challenge us, that you stir us up with your word, God, that you, uh, that we'll take this, Lord, and we'll go beyond these four walls, and we'll just begin to Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ that we'll begin to build your kingdom as you enable us, God, as you empower us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for The Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to The Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.